Hi, and welcome to the Property Pod. This week, I'm joined by Libby, who works in our marketing department. We're going to discuss uh, mortgage advice for first-time buyers, but also for anyone else, really, general conversation about mortgages this week. Just to bear in mind, again, we say this every podcast, that we're not offering legal advice here. We're not legally trained ourselves. We both work in the marketing department. Although I am pleased to announce that in the forthcoming weeks, we'll have guests coming onto the podcast and we'll actually be moving to a, a studio. So the, the quality of these podcasts should improve significantly in the forthcoming weeks, which is exciting. Also, before we begin, can I ask if you haven't already, please to subscribe and if there's any bells or notifications in the uh, platform we post on for you just to click and tap on those so you get notifications when we post videos and upload podcasts. That would be fantastic. So my my background experience in terms of mortgages and buying a home would be the fact I bought my first house when I was 18, so I was very young. And this is unusual now, I realise. Didn't at the time. I didn't know anything about it then. I just went with the mortgage advisors say so completely was there by the stage when buying the house everything all the typical things you do when you're when you're young because of that you you don't quite know what you're doing and you can make mistakes um so we're hoping that this podcast will help inform you um i have a son as well i keep saying um and i've said i wouldn't do that in previous comments but i'm still doing it it's a real hazard it's very easy yeah. to do, isn't it? Just, um, uh, like. Or like, yeah, like. So my son, who is 20 now, he's also looking at buying his first home. So I'm just kind of reliving that first time home experience, which I thought was quite good to bring into the podcast and what we do here. Likewise, there's one or two conveyances that have worked here that have also been recent first time buyers. So I'm kind of speaking from a point of view of having a a reasonable level of experience when it comes to this um, topic, just because of personal experience as well as working at a law firm. So Libby's going to start us off. We've got 10 questions we're going to run through. These are like the basic 10 questions people generally ask concerning mortgages. And I'm going to try and answer them best I can. So over to you. Yeah, super easy question to begin with. Um, what is a mortgage and how does it actually work? So a mortgage is a loan which is on a property or, or a piece of land. Most mortgages run for 25 years, although that term can be short or longer depending on your needs. The loan is secured against the value of your home until it's paid off. So therefore, if you miss a payment, they can repossess or take back effectively the house you've, you've purchased and sell it to, to get their money back. We'll talk about this more Going, going into the podcast, that sounds very scary, I, I appreciate, but it's extremely rare, and I'll, I'll go into why later on. Okay, and um, are there different types of mortgages? Yes, so there's two types of mortgages. There's a fixed rate and a variable rate. Fixed rate is um, regarding the interest. The interest, if it changes, will stay the same for a number of years, so you basically fix your mortgage for a period of time. So this is really good to do when the interest rate is low because you've fixed it for that period of time and I have to honour that agreement. A variable means that you are 
paying your mortgage based on the interest rate at the current time. So it can then vary, which is what's called variable. There are different benefits and perks to, to doing one or the other. Um, a lot of these are to do with the overall cost or charge to remortgage, etc. etc. So this is something you really need to look into and discuss with a financial advisor. Typically, these typically for a first-time buyer, you know, I would personally, if it was my son, I'd recommend a, a fixed rate if the interest rate was low, if at the time it was quite high, I'd say variable, standard variable, see what happens with the economy, and then when it goes low, go on a fixed rate. Again, please don't take that as gospel. I'm not giving you financial advice. That's just, yeah, it, that's just my personal opinion. That's what I would advise my son. That's just personal opinion. Okay, and how do I know if I'm actually eligible for a mortgage? So if the first thing I would do is do a check online and see whether you, what, how much you can borrow. That's the most important thing. It's more the case of how much can you borrow rather than are oh, you entitled. There are certain things that mean you may not be entitled. For example, I'm not sure how you stand if you have CCJ because a CCJ is normally when you have an outstanding debt, therefore you owe money to a person and you've had to be taken, you've had to go to court in order for that payment to be made. So the court has effectively said, you've not paid this, we're now gonna put this order on your credit history, you have to pay this. It's far more limiting and barring than a default or having a bad credit history actually tells a mortgage lender you have been to court because you've not paid your debts. And in order to go to court for not paying your debts, you've not paid them for a long, long time. It's hard to get into that situation. So that may preclude you from um, having a mortgage. The other way you can check is by going online. So if you have your bank, checking with your bank, also comparison sites and speaking with a mortgage advisor. And what if I actually have a bad credit score? So if you have a bad credit score, you're not discluded from having a mortgage. You can still get a mortgage. There's a lot of mortgage firms that actually specialise in this. So don't be put off if you've got a bad credit score. The important thing with credit is making sure that you've not missed any mortgage payments if you're a second time buyer and also that you've maintained regular payments within circling within the last three months but you would like to see that over a period of time as much as a year if you're going if you're going to go apply for a mortgage so if you've had a, a bad if you've got a bad credit history because maybe when you're younger, you're a bit reckless. But for the last year or two, you've actually made regular payments. Yes, you've still got a little bit of debt, but you've actually made regular payments. And your credit score is slowly, slowly coming back up, and you're sort of in the, the bad to fair range at the moment. It's not brilliant. You should be fine to still get a mortgage. I would apply for your bank first or go through a, a mortgage lender or broker because they'll have more, more offers. So I'm talking about someone um, 
that is open to a lot of panels of lenders rather than just one lender. Um, I'd go to your bank first as well as an instance. So these, these are kind of like my first instances broker with a bank or, or a lender. Depending on what they say to you, you may then feel like you need to go to a specialised company that deal with this and then go go based on their advice. They should advise you that actually, yes, you can or no, no you can't. Uh, uh, from personal experience, I know a few people that have had this issue and then they have been refused a mortgage because of this. Yes, they've had to go to a specialised mortgage firm and they've had to pay slightly more in terms of interest rates and different things. But they haven't actually been barred from having a mortgage. It's more more likely that you'll be able to borrow less rather than you'll be excluded from a mortgage. Um, again, just to clarify, a default having bad credit history is not the same as a CCJ. So you will not be excluded just because you've got a bad credit history. And how much deposit do I need for a mortgage? So for actual mortgage itself, you don't pay a deposit as such. You don't have to pay them anything to have a mortgage. But in terms of buying a house and the deposit that you need for the house is typically between 10 and 20%. Although some mortgage companies will offer a 95% mortgage. So I think the, the word deposit there is slightly misleading. A deposit when you when you buy a house isn't the same as giving a mortgage company a deposit for your mortgage. They're slightly two different things. You may get charged a, a mortgage fee, but that's not a mortgage deposit. And that's very varied on the bank. Most banks, um, they do offer a fee, we'll incorporate that in the actual mortgage itself to actually actually pay it up any costs up front. But when buying a house, as I said, it's it's typically 10 to 20%. I would always encourage you to save as much as you can and have a big deposit when you're purchasing a house uh, because you'll effectively be borrowing less, your interest rate will be less. So it's more beneficial for you. This is space more applicable if you're a first-time buyer. If you're a second-time buyer, you therefore would then you use the equity built up in your first time as your deposit. Um, so your your deposit would naturally be quite high anyway. When you complete online calculators and stuff to work out how much you can borrow, you have to put all that information in there. So that will give you a good indication of how much you should have as a deposit as well. Particularly, I think on right move, there's something at the bottom of the page there and it will actually tell you the deposit that you that you should have and then we'll calculate it with voice. It's a really good first indicator there of how much you need to save. Okay, and how much could I borrow for that? So how much you can borrow for a mortgage is very much dependent on your income but also as well your personal and circumstances. So if you're a single person, for example, but you have a very good income, and let's say this income is, I don't know, 40,000, for example, you, 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 you make 40,000 pounds a year, and you want, you want to um, 
uh, make a mortgage application. The amount the lender is likely to offer you, as soon as it sounds, is probably going to be less than if you were two applicants, both on £20,000 a year, because if one of you loses your job, there's still someone else who can help pay. Whereas if you're one person applicant, you need your job, who's going to pay? So there's things like that. There's also things to do with if you've got children, what age are they? How long are they dependent for? Tax credits, maintenance money, all these different factors all add in. Um, so that question is pretty hard to answer because it, do, it does very much depend on your income, personal circumstances. Again, just go online, check, do these calculators, check. They may not be 100% accurate, but they'll give you a really good ballpark figure, and then you can start planning going forward on that. Obviously, once you get your um, mortgage offer in principle, you'll, have, you know, you'll really have those things ironed out. Um, so, yeah, again, all depends on your circumstances. Okay. And what do I need to do to get a mortgage? So to get a mortgage, you need to have a regular income. You need to have proof of a regular income. You'll need a deposit to put towards your house because no um, mortgage company will lend you 100% of the value. You need to have a credit history. And for the benefit of 99% of the cases, you, I wouldn't advise that you have a CCJ either. So um, they're the basics. Okay, and how often will I have to repay my mortgage? So typically repayments are made once a month. So you make a repayment once a month. You can pay more of your mortgage. If it's a large sum, you may need to seek um, some legal advice or some financial advice Regarding that, there may be early repayment charges and they may apply to large amounts. For example, if you were to inherit some money and you want to pay 30, 40,000 off your mortgage, A, you're really lucky, <laughs> and, uh, but B, you may need to have some, some kind of legal documentation for that and then your mortgage lender may charge you because effectively what you're doing is pat you will end up then paying it off early which will which mean the contract you've had them slightly changes because they'll be slightly out of pocket in terms of interest they can charge you and what is the difference between interest only and repayment mortgages so interest only is when you only pay the interest of the money you've borrowed so that the cap the capital that you borrowed will sit there this was really popular when I was a child um, in the sort of 70s and 80s because um, property was relatively cheap. You could buy a property for £5,000. I know it sounds ludicrous now, but you could, yeah. So if you can imagine, you, yeah, you bought a property in the 80s, let's say, and what it's now worth, you're going to have no trouble in paying that off. So that's where the um, 
interest interest um, only. First, I believe again, this is not my area of expertise, but as a personal recollection, that, that's where it kind of become popular in terms of houses were quite cheap to buy, and there was an expectation over years they would go up in value. Nowadays, it's really hard to say. The property prices are quite high. Obviously, they go up in line with inflation, how much everyone's paid, etc., etc. Um, it, it's something that's very easy to look back on in terms of being reflective and using the, the narrative of the 1980s because I've lived through it. Now I'm just giving away my age. Um, but in terms of now, I wouldn't like to go into the realms of what one is best, just giving you the facts that interest. It's um, you only pay the interest. It's actually quite if, if you're um, struggling financially, that could be something that you maybe need to look at with, with or talk, discuss with your with your mortgage um, provider, possibly just paying off the interest. Again, you need to seek um, financial advice on that and, and do far more research beyond this podcast because I can't really advise you on that, those sort of topics. And repayment is. You repay the interest and the loan amount. Typically, the, the payments are a lot higher because you're doing that. So you're paying the interest. Say, the interest is two hundred pounds. You're you're then paying sort of three hundred pounds will be off the actual capital itself, the actual loan amount. So gradually, the money you owe the the mortgage company will go down so you don't have to sell your house or remortgage to pay it off which you would do with a um, interest only mortgage if that makes sense it's got a little bit pushed my knowledge in that did <laughs> and um, what happens if i miss my mortgage repayments so there's, there's several steps if you miss your mortgage repayments if you feel you're going to miss a mortgage repayment particularly in covid times like we've had this you can get a payment holiday and you can ask for a payment on a loan. I believe currently mortgage companies have to give you a payment on a loan. I believe so. Do check that. Always have a conversation first with your mortgage and then say, I'm struggling, I've lost my job, whatever the reason is, have a conversation, say no. They may be able to waive the charges for you, they may be able to help you as I said with the payment on a loan. If you do miss a payment, it then it's classed as arrears, which will need to be paid back. Now, some mortgage providers, lenders are happy with arrears for a certain period of time. Maybe happy is the wrong word, but they're okay with it. They understand there's, there's a, there's a, especially for COVID, people have lost their jobs. But there needs to be a realistic expectation that you're going to pay it back. And this is not going to go on for a long time. So, for example, it could be that you've lost your job and you've got you, you've got no means of income, but there's an expectation that you receive um, universal credits at some stage, or you'll receive a, a settlement agreement payment, and you'll have to then pay back the arrears. It's definitely a priority bill, so it's one that you should really be focusing on paying as soon as you're able to. 
if it goes on for a longer period of time, then it's classed as a default. And then that will affect your credit history. And that's a little bit more serious in terms of you, you, you need to start thinking about payment plans. It's not a case of you and I just catching up a month or two. You're going to need to have a repayment plan. And this will stretch over a longer period of time because obviously the expectations and it's not that you can pay back the amount in full because you're waiting on benefit money to keep in, for example, or you're waiting for a settlement agreement. Actually, it's gone beyond that, and you're actually going to look at having to top up your monthly repayments by another 100 to £200 finally to actually pay off the default on your rears in your account. Again, charges are probably going to apply to that, and unfortunately, and this is just me personally, one of the bonus contention I have with banks and lenders, is that when you're financially in trouble, they whack on charges and fees, which seems absolutely ludicrous to me because you're already in financial trouble. But that's effectively how they make their money, which is a great business model, not so great for human cost. And I'm very much on the side of the um, human cost. Um, if you watch my ethics eyes, I'm, I'm, I'm very much on the other side of the fence. Um, if it goes on, you still haven't made a payment, they can repossess your home, which is what I was talking about the very first question I was asked. Banks don't want to do this. It costs them a lot of money, they have to take you to court. There's a lot of costs to the, to the bank from doing this. Yes, the likelihood is they will get back their money. If they don't, though, so for example, when we had the property crisis in 2008, people will find that they're in what's known as negative equity. So they're they effectively borrowed more than their house was now worth. So if you then repossessed during that time, as a number of people were, there was still a deficit in the money road. So some people were still owing their mortgage companies 10 to 20,000 pounds, and they still, you still paid off. So it doesn't just disappear, um, which is it's a really difficult situation to be in. I think nowadays it's quite rare because this is, again, this is why they don't lend you 100% of the mortgage. For, when the mortgage crisis was just before it cash, some people were borrowing beyond 100%, so 110-120%, um, which is why there's a lot more rules and um, the borrowing criteria is more, more strict now when it comes to mortgages. Um, so anyway, when it comes to recession, you have to have really push your luck with the mortgage with the mortgage company or in effect push your luck's not right terms it implies that you've asked for this or you just relax but you've had to there's no realistic expectation that you're going to be able to pay this back now it's gone beyond that point you've missed you've you've not been able to keep up with the payment agreement you've had in place even if they've lessened the payment agreement, you still can't keep up with that, and you're still not paying monthly, continuous monthly repayments. So not only defaulting on your payments, your agreement, you're also defaulting on your monthly payments, and then they'll re, they'll re you. Um, again, I'm not, I'm not giving 
legal advice here or financial advice, just speaking from personal experience. I know one person second to, um, and they were advised to sell the property before it got repossessed. This was a long time ago, this was in the 90s. So um, it's up to you, really, what you do in that scenario. You, if you're in that scenario, the likelihood is you're not going to afford financial, legal, uh, financial advice or legal advice, which I appreciate, which case I just recommend you go down to the Citizens Advice Bureau and get as much help advice you can there. It's a really difficult scenario if you are in there, but this is why I said at the start of this topic to really discuss with your mortgage advisor all the help they can give you because the more you're seen to be trying to help and to pay and do as much as you possibly can to resolve a situation the less likely you are to be in a situation of being repossessed if you bury your head in the sand and you do nothing they're going to frown upon that and it's more likely that's, that's my best. Sorry, that sounds really dark. Can we cheer? <laughs> Can we have a more cheerful conversation? Yes. <laughs> Is that the end it's of the question? No. Ended on a really sad, sad, depressing note. Um, but but it's there, positive. It's, it's positive too. Bear in mind that I'm old. And I only know one person this has happened to, so that probably is a good indication of how rare it is. Just you know, just be mindful when you are looking at properties and think, oh yes, I'd really like to, that house, I you sure to yourself, is it realistic? And it's very tempting when you fall in love with a property. But do be realistic, especially if as well, if you're thinking you want to start a family, have honest conversations. You know, who's gonna go back to work? doesn't necessarily have to be the woman nowadays that's that stay at home. If, if you're a female and you're earning on your partner, maybe maybe they need they're gonna stay at home for a period of time to look after the children or maybe you've got a co parent or you've got child minding fees to consider. But those sort of things that you think are probably years and years away are worth thinking about because ultimately you'll sign the contract for twenty five years or longer and you can bear these things in mind. So if you can only just afford a mortgage now, and it's it's a real squeeze. Then you need to look at okay, can we afford can we afford this long term? Because actually, I know that in two years time I would like to start a family. So it's all these things you if you can prepare and think about and look at, and if you can, it will help you in the long run in terms of not getting into these horrible dark situations we ended our podcast on <laughs> so i hope that's helping i hope it's been a, an interesting podcast as i said we'll be inviting guests on in the next um upcoming weeks we will be moving to a studio to do this so you will unfortunately no longer hear the buses going past our office <laughs> and the seagulls which will be a great lesson i'm sure anyway thank you for listening and we'll see you again next monday